Well, Brenton, it's come down to just you and me. Y'all ready to draw? I am. I gotta say, though, that there are only two types of people in this world. Those who podcast and those who listen to podcasts. What? This is 1860. What's a podcast? It's gonna change the world. Howdy there! Welcome, 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 one and all. It's a classic movie. <laughs> he says twirling his cane. Welcome! <laughs> welcome, I do say. <laughs> yeah, this is the show where me, that dude Brenton, and that other cowboy is sitting over there on his steed, Nathan. We talk. Shit, oh, no. really got me. Shit. <laughs> uh, we talk about films that are twenty years or older. Twenty years, and we tell you, our lovely listeners, uh, whether those films are worth recommending to your mates. All this time now in the present, you know what I yes. mean? Yes, we'll let them know if like this is the day. Like today is the day to watch a movie. Cancel, cancel your appointments. Today is the day to watch a movie. But Nathan, it's not a Thursday. I thought part of our criteria was would we put this on a Thursday night? See, in hindsight, you think after 120 episodes, we should have twigged to release the show on a Thursday, considering Thursday night is our criteria. Nah, fuck it. No, but I think by putting it on a Monday, at least in Australia, it's smart, because that way it gives the listeners the week to prepare for what they're going to watch that Thursday, you know? Yeah, good point, Nathan. Give yourself a pat on the back there. Oh, look at us just (laughs) bloody handling our release schedule well. (laughs) Ah, but Uh, yeah, here we are. Here we are. Making some more Western references and Western jokes because uh, we're not here to talk about spaghetti today, people. We're here to talk about another spaghetti Western in the Dollars Trilogy or the Men With No Name Trilogy. I feel sorry for the listeners that, like, don't like Westerns who now for the past three weeks have had us chat about Westerns, but... To be fair, again, like, we've done... This is episode 124 and up until, what was that, 121, we had not spoken about a single Western. Save for Wild Wild West, of course. Is that a Western? (laughs) It is! It's a Western, by all means, it's a Western. I feel like... I feel like Wob Wob West is its own uh it's its own <laughs> genre almost. You yeah. Know what I mean? It's kind of, it's not West, it's like kinda of sitting in the middle of the compass, just doesn't know where to go. <laughs> exactly. Oh dear. Oh, uh no. but yeah, so today we're we're rounding out the Dollars trilogy or the Man with No Name trilogy with our review of the good, the bad, and the ugly. More like the Nathan or the Brenton or Again, Brenton. Wow, that was a really good one, Nathan. <laughs> Shut First up. Try. It was great. <laughs> um, so, in case you didn't know, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly was released in 1966 in Italy. And uh, I didn't know this. So, like, the I've been saying uh, the released uh, years... They got released years after Italy. Like What? Yeah. Wasn't it, like, all delayed? Like, they were huge in Italy. Like, they got released, like, years early and then... No. No, well, the, the, like, that was true for, like, the, the first two movies. Ooh. Like, they were released in uh, Fistful of Dollars 28 months after its initial Italian release in the US. So, like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a few years there. But what I didn't know was, in the USA, so Fistful of Dollars was released 18th of January 1967. For a few dollars more was released in May 1967. And then The Good, The Bad and The Ugly was released on uh, the 29th of December 1967. So like these three movies came out in the US in the same year. Wow. Yeah, because they were released I think in Italy like 64 or something like that. Like, to- totally. Yeah. So there was a... So I love I love that America's getting all three at once. They're just like, oh gosh. <laughs> that makes sense now why like Clint Eastwood was just like propelled into like, like instant stardom. He just had his really good year. You can see why the Wachowskis then wanted to repeat that success by doing two Matrix movies in the same year. You you can see that. Oh, you can see that and exactly. And now, where's Keanu Reeves now? Still Matrixing. Again, here we are talking about another movie directed by this really talented kid. Iconic director, Sergio Leone, that everyone should know. I've ne- I'd never heard of this. It's not even a funny gag. It just upsets me. Sergio? I think that's his name. Shut up. I don't want to hear you disrespect this director anymore. What a talent we've discovered here on Classic Movie Banter. It'd be funny if in the picture you were Sergio Leone, like you didn't even know who you were. Like, who am I? <laughs> like, who am I? I'm just an enigma, like hanging around. You are an enigma. More like a spaghetti enigma. Uh, aren't I? I'm like, I'm like that uh, spaghetti in the tin. You know what I mean? You're not even sure if it's real spaghetti. It's just such an enigma. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> Let's get off this, Brenton. Can you please fit through this movie? <laughs> 
Can you pitch me the movie? Alrighty. So step into my office, Nathan, because Ooh. I've got an idea. We're in Italy. <laughs> Buongiorno. Yeah, <we laughs> Wait, do you reckon the Italians like pitch like a movie like around like a family dinner? Like <laughs> they'll just invite the producers home. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. They definitely like talk about a pitch over dins. <laughs> over some spaghetti. <laughs> so we've already made these two killer movies. Yes. Uh, they're so deadly. With dollars in the title and Clint Eastwood walking about. No one knows his name. It's a real conundrum. And I'm, I'm thinking that we round it out with a third one. And I think what happens in this one is, is that, you know, we kind of like the bounty hunter angle that we're going with the, the last film. But oh, yeah. in this one, we, we we meet the man with no name again. And he and he comes across uh, this 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 outlaw called Tuco that's uh, fetching quite a, you know, a, a low $2,000 price on his wanted posters. And he, he gets this game going, basically, where he goes into town. He... He uh, collects the the bounty and then will free Tuco when they they're about to hang him and then they share the the funds. Oh, of, okay, um, so they kind of got a thing going on. They they got a thing going on, but in the meantime, there's this other guy known as um oh fuck what's his name Angel Eyes Angel Eyes that's that's running rampant and is another bounty hunter and he he's true to his word. You know, if you pay him, he's gonna finish the job no matter what. He's he's gonna kill that person. He's gonna kill that other person that the person he killed said to kill. And so so we got three murderers running about. What are they up to? He discovers that this uh, soldier, or I'm not sure what rank this guy is, but he's in he's in the, the Confederate Army because the Civil War is happening in this movie. Oh, just casually drop that like a bomb. By the way, we're in the Civil War, in case you hadn't noticed. This soldier has $200,000. That's a lot of money back then. That's a lot of money now. <laughs> oh, what? You've had $200,000 in the grave now. You'd be like, this is pretty good. Don't you have a $200,000 note in your wallet? Side note. Say say we see what the $200,000 looks like in this movie. Say maybe we find out what this money looks like. Do you reckon those bags actually did contain what looks like $200,000? Yeah, I do. I think I think they maybe looks like as if they had maybe 4,000. Uh, I don't know. I disagree. I think um I think there's definitely I think if there were if there were bags of gold coins in this movie. Oh, okay. That would look about right. In if 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 there was about you know a few. So what you were saying is that they they these bounty hunters want to collect the treasure from the Goonies. No no not not quite not quite. Angel Eyes realizes that he wants to get in on this and he wants to get the money and then it just so happens that there's some falling out between Tuco and uh, Blondie as he's known in this movie the man with no name and uh, they all get wrapped up in this together. They're all gonna try and get this two hundred thousand dollars that's buried in some some place. Things become apparent. Things become clear and there's lots of people, these three guys are constantly crossing over each other, mm. trying to stay on top. Three parties of people all trying to find a treasure. Brandon, have we watched a National Treasure movie? I wouldn't know because I haven't seen one. <laughs> Is one of these played by Nick Cage? <laughs> 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 Who would Nick Cage be? The good, the bad or the ugly? Uh, he'd be all three. Uh, <laughs> at various, uh, it's just him doing a golem performance the whole movie. Like He's just up against yeah, himself. At, at, at various points in the film, he just... Oh. He just change between them. Uh, so yeah, that's basically it. We're all just trying to find some buried treasure in the Wild West while the Great. Civil War is going. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically it. I don't know what else to really say in this pitch. Like, it doesn't sound that exciting I'm already sold. It, no, no. It? Three bounty hunters all competing to get a treasure. Mate, I'm sold. Two, two bounty hunters and one bounty. Oh, I hear you. Nathan, what did you think of the good, bad, and the ugly? You know what? It's so funny. I'm flashing back to two weeks ago when we did a fistful of dollars. And I'm like, Brenton, how can this trilogy get any better? Because we were pretty taken with like a fistful of dollars. We were. This is a fucking masterpiece of a movie, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Continue with your thoughts because uh, I got things to say. Like, but I, I liked a few dollars more, even more. And then I'm like, I'm sitting down to watch this. I'm like, how the fuck can this movie top that? And already in like the first 10 minutes, it already tops the previous two installments. Speaking of the first 10 minutes, it takes 10 minutes and 34 seconds for a single line of dialogue to be said. Yeah. I wrote that down. This movie, like, oh man. Isn't this fucking incredible? It's, it is incredible. No, no, Brenton. Fucking incredible. This is fucking incredible. As I said in our <laughs> review for, for a few dollars more, that movie I felt like took Fistful of Dollars and it like, as a sequel tends to do, like it, it ramped it up to 11, you know what I mean? Yeah. It took that and it, and it did it even more so. This does that again. It takes... A story that became more. Sergio <laughs> Leone is like standing by a dial, just like pumping it even further. This li it literally creates that, uh, takes that formula and makes it into like an epic. This is like yeah. an epic story. This is three hours long, basically, and 
it's not just like a feud between a couple of towns, a couple of gangs, a gang that's trying to like steal, rob a bank, whatever. This is like high level shit that involves like armies are involved in this. Yeah. Uh, the individuals are obviously the center. They really Return of the King did, didn't they? It it really is. It it's 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 an epic. It's like a it's it's so huge this movie and there's a lot going on. You can tell that this uh, unknown director Sergio stop it really took what he'd he'd learned in the first two films and then use these techniques again that he's like kind of mastered and just taking it to the the biggest scale he could take it. So basically this mo- what's amazing about this is that whilst I'm saying it's got that huge scale, the three pillars of the story which are the three main characters are still like very central to it and it's still very like private in a way. He's got that juxtaposition yeah. going constantly between like the individual and the scope of like the whole conflict, you know what well, I mean? Well, and that's reflected in his directing style cuz like this is the one where he most is he's like the most Siogo in this movie where he's like let's do extreme close and then just landscape shots back and forth like nothing else. Absolutely. So there's a lot going on in this movie and like I like how you said masterpiece because this movie as I tried to pitch it and I think I undersold it and the reason I felt like I I undersold it is that while that's a pretty simple premise this movie tackles so many different themes. Mm. It, uh, it has a lot to say about certain things, and and more so than the other two uh, do. I think. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to greed, when it comes to morality, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's a really interesting look at at these things. And um, I was really taken by this movie. Whilst, I, like I said, it's three hours, but it did not feel that. No, much. it's extremely well paced, and like there are moments where I think it drags. I'll talk a little bit like later on, but I want to I want to keep on talking about these themes that you brought up because it's important. Because yeah. you and I both we did our reading after this Brenton we put in our glasses and, and still and our, we both read how Siogo said that he wanted to kind of parody the western genre with this movie yeah so in the 60s he overemphasized the violence and like he deconstructed oh how great's the old west but like here's the thing in 2020 it for me at least it didn't feel like a parody this felt no. like the exemplar western so it's like you forget sometimes now that like westerns used to make like sell you on like Let's all go here and live this like cowboy life. But for me, this just feels like a Western doing exactly what a Western's supposed to do. Yeah, I hear you. I, I totally hear you. But you can imagine at the time that this came out that it was pretty uh, revolutionary in that sense. Well, like, yeah. It's, not the, it's almost parodying it by taking itself seriously. <laughs> and it's so funny because we've sense. seen so many parodies of this particular movie since. Yeah. Like, like we, everyone's yeah. being raised with this music, with um these characters, all that kind of stuff. So, like, seeing the original, it's hard to feel nothing but respect for it. And, like, admiration because yeah. you understand how influential it is so like so for me I like, even though he intended to make this a parody I didn't feel that at all no I agree um I totally agree in fact yeah when when you when I was watching it I was I was moved in certain areas I was feeling things that I wasn't expecting to like going into this it just kind of ele- elevates itself almost above the genre to a certain extent you know what I mean like it's yeah it's like you said it's it's a it's a stellar masterpiece that uh, is a standout from its genre like we attach the tag spaghetti western to this movie but at the same time it's it's so much more than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's way much more than that. And like, he's trying to do a lot with this movie. In saying that, I want to bring in a criticism. I I know I respect Siogo for going big, but to be honest with you, I didn't actually care for the Civil War stuff. I felt like for me personally, it kind of grinded the movie to a halt every time we kind of dip into the Civil War. I, I see where you're coming from because there's this, this a certain section that I'd say that like, I, I think I think I can guess where it is in the film. Oh, it's a couple of is dropping. Uh, no, you said before that there's a there's moments where it drops and there's one that I I think that you 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 will mention once we get into spoilers, and I see where you're coming from. But at the same time, there was something that happened in this movie that I'll talk about in spoilers that made it all worth it, in my opinion. If that makes sense, because I agreed with you to a certain point, and there was a moment in this movie that like really it hit home as to like what all that was, what what it was there for, and um, yeah, I, I what get it was the doing. message, and I get with this movie, he's like, oh, like fuck war, like boo, it's not good. Like, you know, like, there's too much violence in this era. But, like, I don't know. I feel like it wasn't as novel as the rest of the film. Like, yeah, we get it. We know war sucks. Like, we don't need to see the Civil War and have Clint Eastwood be like, man, war, how, how bloody, what a waste of life. Like, it felt, it felt unmoved. To be honest, because this feels a little bit like a video game. In the sense of, like, they're going from checkpoint to checkpoint, that kind of stuff. For me, I felt like the Civil War was just all the side quest shit. Like, suddenly they stop at a checkpoint and some NPC is like, Oh, look at this, we got a battle to do. Do you mind watching this? And it's just like, I don't want to. I want to just, I want to get to the treasure. Like, I feel like the main plot is the treasure hunt and the B plot is the Civil War shit. Yeah, that's that's probably right. Like, the main the main goal is, is, yeah. the, is the treasure. But again, without the Civil War stuff, you really wouldn't have the movie. Because, like, oh, most of... I think of- you would. 
I disagree. Most of the conflict, I think, comes from com- comes from that conflict and how how individuals like have to weave their ways through it and like why they do that. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like it's important to have it there. And like I said, I I think it really paid off. But were you moved? Like, were you touched? Like when you saw like the acts of war or like you know, were you like saving Private Ryan in it? Like, I was actually. You know what? I I was moved. Like, I know it's I know it's easy to say like oh like you know like I I get what you're saying in the sense of like the message of like war is bad is is one that we've we've obviously you know seen seen depicted in many different films mm. but this I think stands on its own and I think like uh, just taking out of the context that obviously at the time would have been a big deal to watch you know someone someone depict the Civil War in the way that this does like I, I can't imagine many films that come out at that point that that did that but like I said taking that aside uh, I think this this has still got something to say and I like how it informs not only does it have like a message that's maybe bigger than the movie and epic like mm. I said epic in scale but it informs the the personal as well like it's just it's a really good balance here does with this that like everything is kind of connected yeah it's connected i just I, I get why he's doing it and I like that he's sending this message like it's nice but like I know I feel like at the end of the day I, I, you know I'm kind of echoing what I said last week as well with a few dollars more like I was there for the bank heist movie like and I, and for like and like the aftermath of that I kind of didn't feel it was like was an afterthought same thing here I feel like I'm here to watch these three fuckers like just outwit each other and outmaneuver each other to get to this treasure I don't I do not care for the other soldiers that we meet along the way. I think it would have been a lesser film if it had done it. Oh, done definitely. That. And like, I'm sure a lot of people will grip onto that, but like, I don't know. I want to do a fan cup, Brenton. I want to just get on me scissors and just... I feel like if that was the case, it would go for like an hour and a half. I don't, see, I don't know if that'd be detrimental to the movie. Like, because Also, you know what as well? Because we have such a-list performances from the three main, like from the titular good, bad, and ugly men. When you meet other people, it's just... I'm just not as invested. I'm like, no, I want to spend more time with these guys, like the three of them. And it's funny as well because like their allegiances keep on changing, whereas like the cold, the civil war is kind of consistent. So it's kind of funny seeing them in these traditional like you know Confederacy versus Democrats or whatever the other one was called compared to them. Like it's such a two different like things they're juxtaposing. Yeah, no, I agree. I I love that. I love them like making their way like through that conflict and and whatnot. How the landscape kind of changes as well yeah. as they like make their way through it and and how they use that to that ad- their advantages is. Actually, tell me this. Brenton, are you the kind of guy that completes side quests during a game, or you wait to the end to go back to all the side quests? I do it during the game. Ah, okay, that's everything explained then, because I think because I I don't touch any side quests during a video game ever until the end of it. So I think, man, that, that, yeah, that, that's so weird. Yeah, right. See, and see, I find the c- comparative. See, I find the opposite weird as well, and I think that's probably what's going on here. I think this is just the the. Okay, well, in that in, in that case, let's make another video game comparison. I would say that this movie is uh more of a uh, it's not an Assassin's Creed. This movie, okay? No. This movie is not. This movie is not an Assassin's Creed in which you can just like mainline the main story and it just and it's fine. Like it doesn't affect it. You and, think like, you need to do the side quest to be informed of the main plot? The story itself, like, isn't affected by that. And you're better off probably if you want to experience the story of an Assassin's Creed game. Just like, just do the main plot, like, because you'll yeah. The pacing will be good. It'll make sense. This this movie is The Witcher Three. Oh Christ! Think about the bloody nerd go- glasses. <laughs> Here we go. Well, hey man, you brought it up. This is so a I'm, deep I'm, reference by the way like <laughs> listeners tweet in if you've ever seen a dvd art of the of the witcher 3 let alone played it <laughs> so the witcher the witcher 3 here we go the the side quests in that game a lot of them inform the story without you realizing it so like if you miss out on a side quest in that game you're actually kind of missing out a chunk oh. of the main story they all just kind of in, see now um, i want to play it just to test that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, totally want, dude yeah like, I think I think I think it's worth playing in that sense. Like you know what I mean. Like this, and and both are good. Like I like Assassin's Creed. I like The Witcher. But like, mm. there's something about that that is like bigger than the sum of its parts. It's 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 just so epic, and there's so many things going on in it that like you know it's just impressive to behold. But not only that. Like getting back to the point of the film, it's not that only because it's impressive that I'm bringing that up. I'm just saying that personally, it was it was moving to a certain to a certain extent. And like I said, I like how it informed the characters. And I really want to talk about a certain moment. All right, we'll save it all for spoilers, and we'll continue that convo there but for now we're divided listeners brenton says keep the civil war i say no more civil war all right well let's let's try and find some common ground again then before we write it oh oh easily easily the the most common thing we can agree on is that this is this has the best soundtrack out of all exactly three. took the words out of my mouth yeah for sure holy fuck how did i not know the theme was from this movie i don't know how you didn't know this was that was from this movie for sure i'm an idiot 
Because I heard it. I just thought it was like a generic Western thing. I didn't actually know it came from a certain film. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, like, I always knew that song was from this movie. But, like, at the same time, Nathan, I like that it's, like, again, an evolution of, like, the first two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah. You, still have, you still have, like, the deep, like, grunts and whatnot, though. Like, during the song as Ooh. well. Like, which I love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I which I love like in the first two films and to hear it like evolve into this mm. it's like a po- it's let's let's keep the video game references going it's like a it's like a good pokemon it's like charizard oh you know Brandon, we're alienating listeners with this <laughs> enough i'm putting a kibosh on this on this medium you do know why i'm doing it don't you because every time I do it, your face is just priceless. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are going to get a lot out of that, just hearing how the description of my face. And just know that you started it. You you started I this did. monster. Because in, in fairness, this kind of does, in the same way I said Chinatown feels like a video game. Like in the same way you just watch Jack Dawkinson go from NPC to NPC. Like there are parallels here, like where you see like these three guys kind of jump back and forth. It reminds me a little bit of GTA 5 if we're going to keep this going, even though I just said stop. How you got these three, <laughs> how you got these three main fuckers you just follow about and they eventually, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, d- I do know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but anyway, soundtrack. Soundtrack is good. It's great. It's so good. And also like, it doesn't get old. Like, it's, it's basically the one tune the whole movie, but you just don't get sick of it. Like, Well, I think it's it's used sparingly as well to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. there's, there's, there's moments in this, like the, the opening of this movie, the, there's hardly any music. You know what I mean? Mean. Yeah, it, it channels it well. When it kicks in, you know, it kicks in at the right moments. And there's some segments in this that um that are like quieter moments that are just uh, so in, uh, the music informs us, you know, so much and, and make those moments even more epic than they would be if it was just the static shot. Mm. And speaking of the shots, the cinematography is great. Oh. Again, that's probably the best it's been Insane. out of uh, all three movies. It's yeah. beautiful. And also like the three performances, like, you know. And it's so yeah. funny because initially with the bad, forgive me, I'm going to call them good, bad, and ugly. The, the whole movie, I can't remember anyone's names. But with the bad guy, I thought it was the same character from the second movie because it's the same actor. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I love that as well. I love I love the reuse of actors and like just different ro- yeah. different roles in the same universe. Mad Max is very guilty of this. Mad Max, yeah. Yeah. It's good. I really like it. It's good seeing him as an antagonist. I think it works really well, actually. Well, fun fact, that was the reason he was cast. Oh. So, yeah, when he was casting the the movie, the appeal of Lee Van Cleef as Angel Eyes, he was just basically really interested in uh, Van Cleef playing this role because he played such a romantic character in uh, For a Few Dollars More, and the idea of getting him to play a character that was just the complete opposite really appealed to him. So, um, that's why he got cast. That's why I'm saying the next Avengers villain should be played by Robert Downey Jr. Absolutely. Why not? be great. And, and you know what's funny as well? I think with Clint this is probably his best performance in all three yeah for like, sure Which you can we'll see his character into. finally go through a, a tan- in my opinion a tangible arc like yes yeah and he has motives and he is tested by morals and I'm like oh finally they'll wait till the third fucking film to bring this in and more importantly Brenton he has the coolest costume out of all three in this one. Really? Oh, yeah, man. You think? Especially, you think? Dude, his white coat at the start is so fucking badass. See, I wasn't the biggest fan. I like the classic. Whoa! Costume. No, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it for reasons we'll get into, but I agree that he does go on a journey through this movie, and I can't wait to talk about it, because one of the big moments of this movie... Oh, my God, we get it. There's a big moment coming up. Jeez. Oh, man. But for me, the person that gets the most screen time is actually the ugly. Yeah! Uh, which I was... And he's great! And to be honest, I thought out of the three protagonists... I would say that it's more his story in a way. Yes. Yeah. I, oh, I read somewhere an interview with Sergo how he said, like, he gave the most screen time with the ugly because he wanted the audience to understand him. Like, he gets, like, a whole, like, supporting cast and, like, all that, like... I want to see more of him. Well, the thing is as well, like I think writers and storytellers can sometimes get into the trap maybe of going, I've got these three characters and I need to have like, give them equal weight. Whereas this, this uses, knows when to use the characters and what the audience like needs to see of each yeah. of the characters and what the characters need to do and how they serve the story. And that's, that's just like, for me, that was just like something that was so cool about this movie is that we didn't um, necessarily focus on the other two as much. Not saying that they're not as important. But we've had another two movies with Clint, like we don't need it. No, exactly. But though, in saying that like we never we still don't have many answers about clint which i like as well and you know what even though this film has virtually no women i kind of like that this movie doesn't have a romance plot yeah it wouldn't have fit would it maybe no. it would have i don't know but uh i guess it's already long enough as is but like yeah, i feel exactly. like you know the other two that you're always finding like someone who's in love or something like that or it's reminded about love this one it's kind of like fuck all that we're down to get business done like it, it, it just feels like the screenwriters especially just like didn't want any of that shit in they're just like let's get straight to the point yeah I feel like if you were to add a romance romance it would have um, it, yeah it would have muddled things as well especially because in the scope of like a conflict such as the civil war to have like oh jeez it turned into Baz Luhrmann's Australia wouldn't it yeah exactly that's a great <laughs> reference yeah that, 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 that made my point yeah yeah there we go sorry Baz but in saying that um 
I'm ready to rate yeah, it. Yeah, I'm you ready are. to, dude. You're fond of me lobster, ain't you? Brenton, Thursday night. Oh, put this on. Like, you guys will have a nice night. Have some whiskey. Or not, you know, have some water. You don't have to drink to enjoy a movie. I like Brenton over here. Oh. <laughs> I've become such an alcoholic that I can't watch a movie without... And this is your profession? Oh, no, Brenton. (laughs) I fueled this alcoholism. (laughs) But but, but more interestingly, yeah, obviously thumbs up for me too. But like, would you recommend watching this without seeing the other two? I think you can. Mm, That's an interesting question. Because yeah, I agree with you. I think you can do it, but I don't know if you should do it. I don't know if you should do it either. This is a bigger question and it comes down to like what if I think the trilogy is great or if it works as a trilogy, really. Mm. So do you want to write that and then we'll have that discussion? Yeah, I agree. Because I also want to chat about if you can do it all in a weekend or if you should space out the trilogy. So yeah. let's, let's put a bookmark on that. Bookmark on that, but do you like this movie on its own merit? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and this works well. Yeah. Great for Thursday nights. I think also, even for like First Western, I think it could do this. Like if you're like, yeah. the Western genre ain't for me. It's like, no, watch this one. And just like, because especially with the opening titles, like with the tune immediately kicking in, it'll hook you no matter who you are. It'll it'll get you hyped. All right, let's bloody spoil it. You spoiled it. What? The movie. Oh. I don't know where to start, dude. Oh, <laughs> look at you. Really honest, the whole fucking like... <laughs> non-spoiler section, like, oh, I've got to spoil something. And then we finally get here and you're bloody slow to draw. Do, do you want me to jump straight to that? Yeah, get to like, the scene. What, you're okay. already you're so let's, for let, 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 All right, let's talk. Let's talk about the Civil War. So I, I really have to be tactful with how I how I tackle this. So I was going to keep this as a special segment, but I'm going to talk about it now and it involves the whole trilogy. We have to talk about the continuity of the trilogy and where the films applies to what order they're actually in. In my opinion. Oh, right. So, oh, you surprised me, Brenton. Go for it. So, so the good, the bad, and the ugly is a prequel. It is the first. It is the first movie in the timeline of the three movies. Okay, that's very interesting. I, I generally never thought about this. Keep going. This takes place in the Civil War, and the other two take place after it. I, which surprised me. Like there was a point I was going. I thought it was set after the first two. Like I just thought the continuity was the continuity. Wait, wait. Is this like fact, or is this like what you are thinking? Like no, this is fact. This oh. is fact. I looked at. I looked it up because I was sure in my head of like what the. <laughs> cont- Brenton like slides over some red string. Like look. So because when he appears and he's not in his costume at the start, I was like, that's weird. And I was like, oh, maybe it's because he got so rich with his cart full of dead bodies in the last movie. Uh, he's like, you know, he's oh. able to afford a nice coat and whatnot. No, Nathan, this is the first time we meet this guy, like, in in, in terms of the but film. But then if he gets the 100k, why would he continue his job? Well, this is oh, the thing. okay. Can I see if I can guess the rest? Because then his family got killed and like he lost everything and that's why he has to get money afterwards? No. I don't think so. Oh, it could be. Again, like, this is so open-ended oh. with the character and, the, and his motivations. Like, it, it depends, like, on the events of, like, what you want to... I think it's it's open-ended so you can, like, infer what you want on this character. So that could be right. Uh, for me, it's not. Like, I've got an think? idea of what I... Okay, so <laughs> getting back to the continuity. So this, if this movie's first, we kind of learn why he becomes the way he is in the other two, in a way. Because at the start of the movie, he's doing, like, he's, like, morally, he's a pretty shit person. Like, how he how he takes uh, this scumbag into towns and uh, yeah. gets the bounty. This is not the Clint from like a few dollars more who's like, no, yeah, even Fistful. Exactly. We see his moral compass evolve in this movie. You, we see him become like the agent he kind of becomes in the oh, other two. Oh, okay. So this whole movie I'm, I was just sitting there, I was like, this character's different. I was like, this is really... <laughs> you pull the face mask off Clint Eastwood. Tom Cruise, <laughs> what are you doing in the Wild West? Well, because he starts a certain way at the beginning of this movie and he ends a certain way at the end of this movie. And I think this is why the Civil War thing is really important to have in this film, right? Because mm. a lot of of Clint starts to his moral compass starts to improve as the movie goes on, and the moment that it's like Jack Sparrow's compass. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the moment that highlights that is when he like does he. We go into that random tangent where the bridge gets blown up and whatnot, which is what I'm guessing is the bit that you think the pace. One of the moments the pacing is like, what the fuck's going on? One of them, yeah, yeah. The why? whole scene, you literally see them like get ambushed at one point, and then like the camera pans, and there's a whole fucking side area. You're almost waiting for the title of it just to appear at the top of the screen as like the characters walk in. Like, totally. Uh. So. So we so we meet that um colonel I think it is oh no captain because they get the title wrong oh yeah that's right sorry and uh, he's all like fuck man like this br- this whole bridge I'm an alcoholic whole, like, let's blow up some shit and he's like this is so fucked like basically we're just like sending men to die every day you know yada 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 whatnot uh, and so like they they take it upon themselves he's like all right we'll we'll do the job for you and then he gets shot and there's a moment and then Clint gives him the bottle and he gives him a wink and he's which is oh, a great moment we watch a man have an orgasm over a bridge bridge blowing up I'm like <laughs> this is not the River Kwai we don't need this hey. <laughs> had some River Kwai uh, flashbacks. Alec Guinness is just running about. Don't blow it up. <laughs> what have I done? 
Because <laughs> <laughs> Archimedes would have been around during this time. Like, he's just like... In fact, yeah. this actually wouldn't have been set that far after the River Kwai. Because when did the River Kwai come out? Like, 60-something? Yeah, well, I think so. I think it was the <laughs> like, the both sets are next to each other, blowing up their own bridges. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So they blow up the bridge, and uh, the armies clear out as was uh, intended, and they and they cross. And uh, they come across this church, this, like, blown-up church, basically. Oh, yeah. And Clint goes in. Clint goes in. And the whole time as well, because he hasn't had his costume, and it was really weird when Angel Eyes gave Clint his costume, like, the underlayers, yeah. like, the vest and the... And I was like, what the fuck's going on? And then I was like, this must be the first one. Oh. That's when I was like... Otherwise, it's weird that he gave him the hat, and I was like, there's no bullet holes And then no the most cliche the scene is about to kick in where some coughing soldiers are like, Oi! and, like, you know, bloody... Clint Eastwood's leaning over him like, I'll give you my coat. You know what? My brain went, this is cliched as well, like when it started. Mm. But Clint goes over the coat and if you notice, the coat is like this. It's it's what he's been wearing for most of the movie. Like it's this uh, crappy coat that he was given. He kind of looks like such an outlaw when he has the, it's like an outlaw's coat basically. It's like, he's like, he's like, he looks like a stock standard outlaw in this movie for most of it. And he gives the coat over. He gives the guy a couple puffs of his, of his cigar and he reaches behind him and what does he whip out? He whips out the fucking poncho. He Here finds the poncho in the church after you like, he helps that young soldier out and he passes on and he gets his poncho. And from that moment on, I was like, oh, here he is. Here he is. So then what do you think happened between this and then... So what's next? A fistful or more? So more's next. Oh, so it goes in reverse. That's interesting. It's interesting because I, I was doing research. At, at first I thought I liked the ending of more to be like the ending of the continuity that like he... Yeah, because he gets the bodies and then rides into the sunset with them. Like, yeah. Because at the end of dollars, he just like hands over the money then fucks off. Like, So, I, I, so I, then I was like, I'm going to check this before I come on the show so I don't sound like a total dickhead because I was like, okay, so then it goes... Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then it goes a fistful of dollars, and then it goes for a few dollars more. And then I re- researched it, and Nathan, one of our favorite scenes in For a Few Dollars More was the hat shooting scene, right? Yes. And remember I said last episode, I said, oh, I hope in the sequel that the bullet holes are still in the hat. But they weren't. They weren't. Guess which movie the bullet holes are Shut still up. in the hat. Shut up. Actually. The, f- the first film. Whoa. That's like Marvel level sh- like planning, you know what I, I mean? I know. I know. That's amazing. And I was sitting there, I was sitting there oh. and I was like, this makes me love this thing Diego, anymore. what are you doing? And in the 60s, no less. So this is the thing. And then I was like, because remember back in the first film, I was like, why is he doing this? Because he's obviously not doing it by, for the money by the end of the film. Mm. And then I was like, in the second film, he like gets all this money from those bodies, presumably. But what does he do with it? And then I was like, well, who knows what he does with it in the sense of like, I don't think he does it because he needs the money again. He's obviously just like an agent of like goodwill, I guess. You mm. know what I mean? And, he, and he's, and he's, and I don't know whether it comes from like some personal torture in his past or whatever, that he's just like wandering the desert no, forever. And again, we don't need to know. No, we don't need to know. Cause like you said, you kind of infer that onto it, but like, it just made me love this even more. Yeah. Okay. That makes me really respect it. Okay. But in that sense then, would you recommend viewing order wise to do it chronologically? No, you got to view it in the order of release because. Cause also they get worse then if you do that yeah exactly but also like watching this and realizing this like it makes me want to watch the whole thing again now or like watch it in like you know yeah you know what i mean like it just got me hyped as fuck i was like (laughs) and and that's and that's why he has such like a character growth during this movie because he becomes the man mm. with with no name as this movie goes on. There you go. I, I love it as well when like the, the captain says at one point, names don't matter. It's like you almost get like Siogo just like saying that on set, just like Clint's like, can I have a name this movie? And Siogo's like, no. <laughs> Let's talk about some amazing stuff that's in this movie because there's a lot that I think yep. makes this easily the best. Um, the opening scene. Let's start off with that. Oh like, my goodness, Jesus. Oh, it's so... A lot of me this episode is just going to be saying it's so good, but it is so good. Yeah. In the opening scene was the only part, like, th- those freeze frames with the good, the bad, and the ugly oh. was the only thing I was like... The only th- well, They were the only moments I was like, this is kind of parodying it, you know what I mean? But it's funny, because, like, this would have been one of the first movies to do that, like, in a smart way, but now we've seen everyone else just copy it, so, like... Totally, yeah. Like, we're so used to the freeze frame, but it works so well for this movie. I love I love the, the opening scene, how we, we see... Oh, we, we do you want to talk about the title credits? The oh yeah, we're glad they're back, right? Like oh god, oh, thank god they're back. <laughs> thank, oh, they got the, yeah, yeah, thank god that they're back. And like they're easily the best of the three. And obviously it's that like it's that tune. I still have a soft uh spot in my heart for the from a fistful of dollars. Yeah, I do love that one. Like, um, and the silhouette of the, the black horse. But this one's cool because you have like the cannons and shit. Like oh. that, that's fun. Ooh. It's so good. How good's that opening scene? Because we meet that one bounty hunter, the blonde kind of guy that then comes back later on in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's really, really good. And like, geez, like we see the kid die. We see like the dad die and the mum's like yeah. holding over it. And like, what a way to introduce your villain. It's like he is. And when it, like, and when he does all this shit and then it says like the bad next to him, like, oh, he is the bad. And you know immediately that like he's going to, like Sergio's going to save like 
uh, uh, the good for last because then we're going to yeah. meet the ugly. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like morally as well because like obviously I was going like, why is he the bad? And then why is he the ugly? And then how the hell is, is Clint the good when he's doing what he's doing at the start of this yeah. movie? But like I said, he be- he becomes the good as the movie goes on. I think they the movie's about them achieving their mockias almost. Like Yeah, exactly, Nathan. Exactly. Yeah. Which I love. And God, is Tuco the, the ugly for oh sure? For you know what with sure, Tuco man. as well? I don't know why, but he reminds me a bit of Barbosa, like with his performance. Like in that kind of like expressive face and just like he's like he's always, he's always like parroting a stereotypical Mexican in what he's doing. Yeah. And the way that Barbosa's kind of parroting pirates. Yeah, and but what's interesting, and this is the same for both those characters, is that there's something a lot deeper going on underneath that's revealed. Like yeah. the scene when he goes to the um Oh, that was my favorite scene where he meets his brother. When he when he sees his brother. Yeah. Yeah. I was also Hell surprised yeah. the movie went there. I was like, I was, it was great. I thought it was just being an asshole, just hanging around Clint Eastwood, waiting for the name to be revealed. Oh, we'll talk about his tendency to give up names in a sec. But like, I love that like you see him like really have this moment with his brother, and like also Clint's awkwardly just eavesdropping in the background, like <laughs> with the weirdest expression. One of my that that whole sequence though is like my like the, the end of that sequence for me is when they're then on the cart, and he then makes this like fabrication up basically of the how great his relationship is with his brother yeah. and how much he loves his brother. And it's really sad. Like, it's it's a moment no. of just... Uh, but also he tells Clint, like, he thinks Clint gives a shit when he clearly doesn't. It's like, yeah. you almost killed Clint in the desert. It's like, why do you think this man has any empathy for you? Well, it's like it's like he's almost saying that stuff about the brother because it's like what he tells himself. It's like the lie he tells himself to, like, get by with the shit that he obviously yeah. does. And, he's like, Dude, like, and I can't... love that, how he's like, you know, you chose the easy path being a priest. Like, there's a lot of, like, unsaid stuff there as well. That's really, Yeah, yeah. Like, the performance, especially for a spaghetti western, like, like kudos to, like, the ugly guy. Like, for sure. Sure, like that's all me, through like he's, he, 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 exactly. He's such a he's such a wonderful actor, you and he's know delicious I mean? like, as well. Every scene he's in, you're just like he's just a joy to watch. Oh, absolutely. Like he knows he's an ugly character, and he kind of just runs with it. Like yeah, he embraces it. Yeah, you know? he knows that about himself. Like the man knows what he is, and I really respect that for him. The moment that I thought he was the ugly and just a piece of shit human being was the bit where he was um, enacting his revenge on um, on Clint Eastwood, and like he had him just like oh, dragging yeah. him through the desert and shit, and just like laughing at him, like putting his feet oh. in the water. And- I actually, to be honest with you, I actually paused it and grabbed a water, uh, like, during that scene, because I myself was getting dehydrated. I, I did the same, man. Hey! Like, I, I went and got a huge, tall glass of water. Oh, and we're just gulping going, oh, jeez. <laughs> hey, man, what can you say? Like, it's, it's good Great filmmaking. Makeup. It like, they, you... they sold that, like, for Clint. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree, man. Also, love the premise. Like, of just pairing up Clint and the ugly, and they both have the key piece of info, and they have to work together. Like, I love that. Like, it's just so simple, but so effective. And also, I just like that we follow uh, Tuco so much in this movie. I love that, like, Clint goes away, mm. basically. Like, he, he leaves him tied up in the desert, and he goes, you know, you can the town's that way, you can walk and... Oh, by the way, when we're just spending time with Tuco, because we spend so much time with him in this movie, the gun store scene, oh when he goes and gets God. his new gun. Yeah! Oh, what a great This moment. is a good like, scene. Like, when he opens the, the... The clerk opens the door, and he goes to put the clothes sign on, and he just, like, barges in anyway. Oh. And he's, like... He goes and looks at like the revolvers on the shitty wooden table and then he just like knocks them all off and then like the guy pulls out his guns from under the glass. And he's like drinking the guy's whiskey as he's doing it. Totally. And then and then he just builds his own gun like out of like three different revolvers. It's so, so cool. And he doesn't even get the holster or anything. He gets like a little, he gets a bit of uh, leather strap and he like uh, has it, straps it to the bottom of the gun and always has it around his neck if you notice from then on. And he goes out the back, he does the target practice and he's so good. Like he he does the six shots and then the cardboard doesn't fall and then he jumps (laughs) on the panels and it falls. The old guy's like kind of giving this like, oh, come on, mate, look. <laughs> and he just does a little stomp. It's great. So good. But like, seriously, so that good. scene where he just changes the gun parts is like the most like fanboy kind of like, like nerd I've ever felt just like watching him do that. Because he's just so cool. I'm surprised like Star Wars has never done anything like that where we watch someone build their own weapon in front of us. So, like, could you could you imagine in Solo a Star Wars story and if there <laughs> just was Han. a scene where Han, Han like building his blaster, oh. like, oh. It's so good, though. and the poor old guy. Like he's, I mean, thankfully he makes it out okay. But like, yeah, like, but but he's he's all like, oh, how much? And then he's like, oh, that costs this much. And then he's like, no, no, how much are you giving me? <laughs> and, then he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, fifty. And he's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, one hundred or two hundred's all I have. And he's like, well, I'll be taking that. And then he like goes. 
I'll leave the whiskey. Like, yes, yeah, like a, that one nice act. It's like, oh, wow, what a good guy. Probably was shit whiskey in the first place. That's probably why. I, I also love that, like, and it shows, like, the character's motives as well. Like, he's, like, been stumbling through the desert. He goes and gets some water, rubs it on his face, and then he just goes, buys a gun, like, straight away. That's yeah. the first thing he does. It's, like, oh, oh. It's so great, and I love it. And my other favorite scene with him that I literally shouted at the TV at was when he had to break his chain from the guy on the train. Oh, yeah. Because, oh! Like, cause like, cause he tries with a rock and like a gun and it's not working. And then he kind of like eyes the train rail and I'm like, no, you're not. I was like, no. And oh, then like, dude. and then when the camera cuts and you can see just like the man on the train tracks and the train's about to come, I literally screamed. Oh my God. I was like, no. Dude, how's the build up to that though? That like, he like pretends to be taking a piss out the side of the oh, train. Oh yeah. I can't he do just it launches you off. <laughs> <laughs> so good, but yeah, and then the and then it shows the shot of the body being dragged under the. Oh train. yeah, because <laughs> oh, I because like I didn't know if it was you know what when he was lying on the train tracks I immediately thought of Inception, where like Leo and Marion are just yeah. like <laughs> yeah you're waiting lying for a together. train. So it's like oh, there's a little chain. But yeah, like when you see the body just rumple under and you see it kind of like eventually flick off the side, I'm like oh yeah. Man, God. death by train. But you dude. see, it's a he's a large man, and you, then you, it, it, the camera shows the train, and it's quite low. Like you know, it's not yeah. going to work before the train comes. Abs- yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, dude, there's so many good scenes. Oh. In this. It's funny as well because even like even the ugly doesn't know if it's going to work. Like he's kind of no. just like hoping he doesn't get dragged along too. He's just there, and he's got the train across, and he's just like, and then it's funny because he's there next to it, and then he's like, I'm far back enough, I think, but I'm just gonna scuffle back a oh. bit further. Like it's he's it's great. great. He has so many great positions during this movie. I love it when they escape the bomb at the bridge and he like and like Clint's hiding behind the thing but then for some reason the ugly guy crouches with his ass up away from it well it's it's like because they like do, do a dive and he like kind of overshoots his dive and so yeah. he like lands on the sandbag and he just stays frozen there dude the shockwave of that must have been hardcore because like you, that, that's a that's a that's big a lo- explosion like that's a big yeah. explosion yeah. When, spoilers for the river Kwai but when that bridge blew up like it kind of happened like piece by piece like it wasn't just one big explosion you kind of saw the bridge yeah. come apart as it went but for this the whole fucker just goes in one hit and you're like Fwah. yeah dude it just goes oh, and like there's bits of rock still flying at them afterwards like it's like Fwah. it's br- i yeah, love that the cool. guy's like that's his dying vision is like the man like captain dies he's like yeah <laughs> i love that too i love it. he's just he just hears it go and he looks over and he's like oh the bridge is gone fuck yeah oh. but i do love that this movie like decided to have a whole arc based around that like let's stop the little treasure hunt and have like a 30 minute segment where we just watch a guy get over you know get off to a bridge blowing up yeah it's like <laughs> sure let's just chuck that in the movie while we're here we haven't spoken much about the bat no we haven't because he's he's probably got the least screen time out of the three but i think that's good like i like mm. that where he is in this movie i like that when he pops up he's always doing some devious shit like it's like when he pops up and he's like worked his way into the um into the into the army like he's just yeah like, i'm like how did you get here He's become like a sergeant or whatever, and you're like, whoa, what the hell's happening? And the way he like treats like the prisoners, and he's like in charge of that, and how he like robs them, and he's got like a black market going basically. Like, yeah. Oh, dude, it's great. And then and then uh, when he when Tuco comes in and he and he says he's the guy that he's looking for, and he knows straight away who Tuco is. Yeah. He's just like he's lying. He knows, and then he just comes in and he's like gives him he gives him lunch, he gives him a nice meal. I love it when he, like, he thinks it's poison, so the other guy has a feed as well. It's like oh oh, dude, I love the line as well when he's like, oh, would you like some music while you eat? He's like, yeah, <laughs> good for the digestion. Yeah, and that one fiddler's just having none of it. Like, he knows what's happening. He's just like... Dude, that was that was a great scene as well, the torture scene. Like, having the juxtaposition of the torture happening and this brutal violence happening to Clint outside, and they're like, oh, well, you know what the music means. Which I kind of wish we didn't have that explained because it was obvious the music was covering the yeah. sound of, like, what was going on anyway. But that was just a beautiful scene when, like, that sad song was playing. You could see the contempt from the prisoners of war who were playing the song, just being, yeah. like, knowing why they'd been called to play this. Like, it was an, it was a beautiful scene I thought that it was I, yeah I found it probably more funny than beautiful personally because I was I was just like oh you're an idiot for talking as well ugly like I'm, of course like you're gonna lose all your chips and Clint's like yeah I'm not talking I'm not a fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> and I and I like I like that Angel Eyes just knows straight away he's like yeah you're coming along because like yeah <laughs> I know you're not gonna talk this like, guy <laughs> like, yeah I love how he's like oh same same deal but just new partner I'm like great but it's not again like it's not the same deal because then they're out camping and then he has all these henchmen rock up yeah like when, holy oh. shit oh, was, dude, was like, that oh. a reference so when like he says oh there's six of you and then there's Clint was that a reference to the Magnificent Seven I'm not sure because there were six bad guys and then Clint and I'm like oh there's seven of you and Clint's you could always see Clint winking at the audience going hmm there's seven <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but um 
but yeah, no, it's great. Actually, my favorite line in this movie um, was when uh, bloody Clint says, um, God's not on our side because he hates idiots also. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, they got a to the ugly guy and he's like, ooh. I, I love the use of the word idiots in this movie. Like oh. when, when they come back and angelizes God and he's left the note and he, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he can't even bloody read it. <laughs> he's trying to read it and he goes, um, and he's like, uh, uh, see you later, idiots, I think it is, or something like that. And then and then Clint has holding it. And then and he Clint holds it, and then he gives it to her, he goes, Oh, that's for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just so Clint's funny in this movie. Clint has so he's many so great funny. quips. Like yeah, oh, he's great. He's so, so good. good. So what did you think then of like that final confrontation? Because we've had we've had each movie finish with one, but I think this does it the best, right? Oh, absolutely. This scene is so famous that that yeah. last But it's but it's also again, it's the build-up. It's from that church scene, Clint sets off the cannons you know what I mean yeah. at, at which by the horse. way wouldn't work in real life like the timing of that's just insane well the fact that it didn't just hit him in the first place and he just wasn't like taken out or he wasn't like grievously injured like when yeah. the fucking cannonball like landed like a meter away or he from happens to just run in the path that the cannons pointed at like <laughs> totally but then he, he finds the grave like Clint comes up to him and he holds up at the pistol and he's like hey keep digging and then Angelized pops up from behind Clint and is like hey keep digging and then like Clint's like hey man that's not the right spot that's just a grave and they're all like oh fuck and he like goes, I'm gonna write it on the bottom of this rock, which was just badass. And then he just goes out into that <laughs> a perfectly arranged circle <laughs> that yeah, no that per- one would have built for this movie beforehand. <laughs> Precisely. And the three of them just go in there. And the twist of that as well, because I knew about the scene and how famous it was, and it is it deserves yeah, it to be deserves famous it. because because it's such a moment. Probably the best scene in the whole trilogy. Oh, totally. Like I'm I'm sitting there just going, I know Clint's gonna be okay because this is a prequel. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, if it's a sequel, you know they're not gonna kill him at the end. I wasn't worried for him. No, not at all. But you still like want to see what happens because I did care about these other two to a certain extent as yeah. well. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I kind of didn't want them to die either. I kind of just wanted them to be arrested. No, because the, the three of them are all like pieces of shit. You know what yeah. I mean. Like, at the end of the day, like morally, they're all very questionable. Some more so than others. And so yeah, Angel Eyes just gets taken out straight away. And I love the callback to the hat shooting with that character as well mm. when he like shoots the hat and it goes on in the grave after him. That was so good. But I love the twist as well that he had um unloaded Tuco's revolver the night before. Yeah, that was really smart. I was God, Clint's a genius. Like, because I was going the whole time when he tells him when they're blowing up the bridge. When he tells him the name of the thing, I was like, I know that's not the real name. Yeah, like, I think that's not. This guy could easily just turn around and shoot you now. Like, you know what I mean? And mm. and so he he knew that was a fact and took the bullets out, which I just thought was great. And uh, and then yeah, he leaves him hanging on that uh cross, teetering on the edge oh. with his half of the ship. Bloody, bloody! <laughs> <laughs> great last line of the movie as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, really good. It's just screaming at Clint as he's running away with the little bags of money. And it goes, he goes to say bitch and like... Yeah, sound. and then it freezes. Like, yeah. yeah, totally. It's great. And then, yeah, but like I like it as well that Clint leaves him his share of the cash. Like, he's there tied up or whatever, yeah. but he's still... But then again, like, have you seen Better Call Saul? Are you up to date? No, no. I've only seen the first season Oh, of okay. There's a, in the latter seasons, it's not really a spoiler. You watch Saul literally drag money through a desert. Yeah, right. And so I was, getting, I was getting called back to that. I'm like, I'm trying to imagine the logistics of him carrying $100,000 worth of coins through a desert. Also, any passerby, whether it's another outlaw, whether it's like, you know, the the law, or if it's one of the armies, like, they're going to question and be like, how the fuck do you get this money? Yeah. And he's he's going to lose it anyway. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? There's no scenario where he keeps the cash, so. But it's nice to know that he's still out there. Yeah, I do. Like, what do you reckon he does after this movie? If he gets, do you reckon he just goes to jail? Or I'm not sure. I don't think he ever goes back to his brother. Maybe he has society come to him. Maybe he just buries his money bags and just like hires people to rebuild <laughs> the, the church, and he just like starts his own little community since he can't leave. Yeah, I don't know. It, he's he's an interesting character. Yeah, I feel like he's not smart enough to start his own like community, though. You know what <laughs> I mean? I feel like he's not, and he's certainly not trustworthy enough. No, like, people just. I'd like to think he'd send the money to the monastery to his brother or something, but. Like, I don't know how he'd do it. I don't it. think so. Yeah. But he's still out there. He's still doing something. He's still out there being the ugly guy. So, <laughs> special segments? Special segments. Ooh, so special. Now, Brenton, this whole trilogy, we've avoided talking about the animals. So, I'm bringing in this segment, We Love Animals. Nathan, we haven't done this segment in a while. No. It's been a little while since we've done this one. It's been a little while. But tell you what, I don't think it's a standout horse, but I do just want to give like a round of applause for the horses of these three movies. The horses are out of this world, especially in this one as well, because like we see so many war scenes and we see all these horses running around Mm. and and whatnot. There is horse carnage in this film as well. There is. Horses horses go down. Remember when I complained in like um, a festival of dollars, I'm like, how did the horses not get hit? (laughs) I feel like Siogo Herman is like, oh, they're going to get hit in this one. Totally. And I think a few got hit in... uh, 
for a few dollars more as well. Yeah, there's more and there's more. There's more carnage. <laughs> there's just like more. You want Nathan? Uh, he's like he predicted the future. He's like there's gonna be this asshole on this podcast <laughs> named Nathan, and he's gonna give me shit because I didn't kill all the horses in the gun gat- uh, in the Gatling gun scene. So I'm just gonna like progressively add more and more horse carnage. And here we go. I like the horses are doing a great job as well, especially that scene where um the ugly is escaping capture and Clint is riding past him on the horse, and the ugly manages to get on the moving horse as they're riding. Yeah. The, the choreography, including animals, is outstanding. It, it's it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. But for you personally, was there a standout animal in this? There's a few. So the horses, definitely. Uh, there was also uh, noteworthy in the opening scene, there was a dog that ran past in that in that town. Oh, the... for one fucking f- scene. Like... But but what nearly stilled this movie for me was actually, there's a kitten in yeah! Clint Eastwood's hat. So they're hanging out in some bombed building, right? The men with no name, along with uh, Angel Eyes gang. And he's in there, and it just goes to this shot where we're hanging out with Tuco and it goes this shot and he's just holding his hat and there's this this kitten in front of Clint Eastwood's face like as in that's just like sitting in his hat and he's just there like petting it and he just takes it out puts it on the ground puts his hat on and off he goes Mm. I'd say if I had to choose an animal from this film specifically the kitten's gonna steal it what would happen to that kitten maybe I I don't even know where it came from in the first place like maybe it was just like you know what would be cool if they had it like come through all three parts of the trilogy like you see just like the kitten just like slowly grow into like a cat and then like an old lion or something <laughs> An old lion. I love it. Nathan, which two characters should have kissed in this oh, movie? Oh, okay. So there's a scene where um the ugly guy... When, so the ugly guy has Clint Eastwood going through the desert. And like yep. he realizes Clint's useful. And so he's like, feck, I've got to get him some water now. And they're like... And he leans in and they're millimeters apart. And I'm like, is this going to end in a kiss? Like, <laughs> I'm like, are we going to get a kiss between the good and the ugly? And I'm like, I kind of want it. You know, I ship this. I do too. The the moment I thought, because I, I agree that those two characters are the characters that should kiss. Mm. Later on, when he takes his uh, when he takes him to his brother's mission, it's the scene where um, Clint Eastwood splashes the coffee in his face. Oh yeah, and he's oh yeah. <laughs> And he's like chapped lips. He's like, you got to survive. Do you want some coffee? I'll put it on your lips. Oh. Do you want my lips on your lips? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> this could have segued into a romantic plot, you know, just like neck a minute. Like, it could have. It would be great. Just like at the like, Mexican standoff at the end, they like, they like channel Revenge of the Sith. He's like, you are my brother, Anakin. Just like as I like, got the guns pointed at each other. I loved you. <laughs> And he's just like, it's over now. I have the same level ground. And they just start shooting off. Well, maybe that's the answer with this character, the man with no name. You know, we say that he's got baggage. Mm. Maybe it's that it's, you know, Tuco's his long lost lover. Jeez. I bet there's fan fiction out there somewhere. You know what? We could even do the special segment. Um, fan fiction. Fan fan fiction, like fan fiction or... Uh, and let's not get into that. No, we don't like... need that shit on this podcast. Nah. We've had enough. We know it's shit. there. That's all we need, frankly. Maybe we could maybe we could research in future some titles of fan fiction that are out there. Fan theories, maybe? Would be, well, you just came with your own fan theory before. Well, it's not really fan theory, if so like I confirmed it. But like, yeah, good good times. Okay, good, what good if this times. movie ended with like suddenly Dolores from Westworld rocking up? Like, this is all just part of the theme park. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anthony Hopkins just rocks up. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, there's probably a fan editor out there of, like, you know, Anthony Hopkins, like, standing on a hill or something and just, like, they stitch in Clint or something. Yeah, totally. And then, like, the DeLorean just, like, rocks up and it's, like, oh, Back to the Future Part 3. That'd be great. Just a whole Western mashup, like... Like, the train that's going, like, on the tracks the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, like, Doc Martin's, like, driving that train that runs over the guy and, like, Marty McFly puts his head out, like, did we hit something, Grandpa? And he's like, sure. Shut up. <laughs> He's like, I don't think we did. <laughs> Too good. Uh, Too good. Uh, what steals this movie? <laughs> Ooh, it's blinding. Guys, what steals this movie is a segment on the show where either Nathan or myself, we choose a frame, a single still from the movie we're reviewing. And we choose this on the basis of whether it's funny, whether it's a good piece of cin- cinematography, or if it's something that's just worth talking about. Which one is this one, Brenton? <laughs> <laughs> We need to talk about this. <laughs> There's a scene. I'm not even going to set it up. Look, for, at one point in the movie, the ugly takes a bath. Like, you know, because he needs to wash his wounds. And, like, there's some old fucker that eventually comes in here to get revenge. And, like, you know thinks he can shoot the ugly guy but turns out he's got the gun underneath the bath but this movie dedicates a frame to him just like enjoying himself in this little tub it's got so many fucking bubbles because he pours all of the powder in and he's kind of just like licking his hand with his tongue extended as much as he can like a cat would lick its fur yeah he's like licking his rings it's bizarre it's so weird and it's also such like it's such a weird tub it reminds me of the still for withering heights where we saw her in the tiny tub yeah 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 totally yeah it's the same kind of bathtub that just looks so uncomfortably small to actually enjoy a bath in but he's just still enjoying the fact he's not getting shot. I'd imagine the water, like, isn't warm as well, you know? It's, like, it's not quite... a good bath. But maybe because the desert's hot, maybe that'll 
keep the water warm. True. Nathan, what I loved about this scene, and you mentioned it before as well, was when the guy comes in to enact revenge, and it's the guy from the start of the movie. Yeah. He gets a, he gets a, he gets the close up, but he's missing an arm as well. Because I was like, wait, hang, hang on a second, why isn't he dead? And he comes in, he's got one arm, and it's just, it was the most random thing. Because I was like, how is he going to get out of this situation? And when the gunshot went off, and like his gun came out of the bubbles in the bath, I laughed my ass off. It was oh. so funny, like it was hilarious. And then the way he like uh, leans over the like the cubicle walls, like basically, and he shoots him again. And he's like, if you're gonna shoot, shoot. Like, yeah, <laughs> he has that. Because the guy line, like, starts know? to monologue like a classic villain, and then he's just like, nah, fuck that, and just shoots him down. Totally, he's like, I've been practicing shooting with my left hand because you took my right one. <laughs> It's so great. And, and he just sits there looking at him from the bath and he has this like dumbfounded expression and then he just like, the gun just appears and oh, it's so funny. It's oh, so funny. It's so great. And I love what immediately follows it as well when like Clint confronts him and he's just like, stands there naked and Clint's like, Ugh. <laughs> he's like, you're coming with me but also put, in a, put on some clothes. <laughs> that's a hell of a scene when they team back up to take down that gang as well. Oh, it's so good. It, that's like the most video gamey part of it where you can see almost like- Totally. Yeah. Well, hey. Well, hey. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> Hello. Ooh. Hello, let's look at this film's poster. Blanton. Yes? Let's look at this film's poster. But is it art? Throughout this trilogy, we've had some pretty damn good we've posters. We've had some great posters, mate. All in Italian as well. This one included. Thanks all below, listeners. This one keeps it pretty simple, but I like it. I still like it, man. I think it's a good looking poster. Yeah, it's it's kind of reminds me of like baseball cards a little bit. You kind of just got like the th- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the yeah. three of them just kind of lined up with this little black background, and then it has like underneath them the titles: the good, the bad, the ugly for each character. Like I, I love the way they're painted in that old kind of way. Mm. Like fuck, Clint looks so cool with his poncho. He fucking does, doesn't he? I was about to say who's the coolest looking character oh, because I think they all look cool, but it's Clint, man, oh. with that poncho when he just flips it over his shoulder. Like, it's so But cool. I also kind of like that the ugly is wearing a tie and the other ones aren't. Like, he's kind of like wearing a suit-esque. Absolutely, oh. yeah. I think the I think the bad's got the coolest hat. Yeah, agreed. Actually, uh, this is a random thing to talk about in the poster section, but who would you cast as these three today? Oh, sure, let's do it. Okay. Um... I feel like J.K. Simmons would be the bad well. Like a young J.K. Simmons. Even him now, sure. Yeah, even like now he could, play, he could play the bad quite well. I think he could pull it, pull it off. Who's the ugly? That's not what I'm thinking about. I'm just like... Oh, I feel like I actually want to cast like a Latin actor, like a Mexican actor. Me too. This is this is a deep cut. Do you know on Jimmy Kimmel he has Guillermo? His like, his like right-hand man? I do. I think he I would be know. good actually as the ugly. I think he'd do really well. I think he'd do really well as well because I think this this uh this wonderful actor does a great job in this film and like in my opinion should have been nominated for awards and whatnot. Yeah, same, same. And if Guillermo could like get it down pat and you could get a you know I think you could get a really good performance out of him and then you could have Guillermo at the Oscars when he's nominated. Oh yeah, because <laughs> normally Guillermo does those red carpet videos and they're funny and they're great. And and he has like the little thing at yeah, he's like tequila and like every celebrity's like woo. <laughs> And they ha- they have a sip and they're like, oh shit, it's real tequila. And he's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> they're so great as well. Because also because he's done it over the years, there's some celebrities who actually now remember this. So they'll like yeah, now totally. seek him out for the tequila. <laughs> like it's great. It's it's great. Uh, it's so funny. So he would he would be a great ugly. Who would be the good though? Like would you get like a Chris Pratt kind of guy or would you like cast Chris Pratt? Crossed my mind, but I don't know if he's right. After watching him in um Magnificent Seven. Yeah, Magnificent Seven. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't think it's quite right. What about Scott Eastwood? Like Clint Eastwood's son. That's like you know, in his 20s or 30s still. Interesting. I, I need to look him up to have oh, a... Oh, he looks identical to Clint. Look up Scott Eastwood. I'm going to look him up He was right in the now. iconic film Pacific Rim Uprising. And, uh, you know, he's available. He's available. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott Eastwood. Oh, wow. He does look like him. Yeah. Jeez. He's like modern day Clint. Like I, I'm still not sold completely. I think someone knew. I think this is going to sound really random. <laughs> Me. <laughs> no, Brenton. That, no, fuck off. No fucking way. There was a lot of Batman comparat- comparisons made last episode. Oh, you reckon Robert? I'm thinking Ben. No, I'm not. Uh, oh. <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm thinking I, I'm thinking Christian Bale. Yeah. Christian could pull it off. I don't think if he's done a Western. Oh, he did. Ca- did he do Cowboys and Aliens? Was that him? No, he did. Um, that was Daniel Craig. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he did a uh, a uh, uh, Western a couple years back. Yeah. What was it? He was gunning for the Oscars. I can't. I haven't seen it. I can't remember what it was called. But it was him and like Timothy Chalamet were in this movie, and uh, it was really artsy and it was really dark. Apparently, was it the was it the Western version of the Lighthouse? Essentially, no. Apparently, it was just like it was really dark. It was just like it would involve that there were. It was like this ex Confederate soldier was like I think taking. Oh yeah, I do know this movie. I have heard of this yeah 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 so yeah so if christian was christian like critically acclaimed in it i think yeah his performance was acclaimed in it. there you yeah. go i think we found our three brenton <laughs> christian bale guillermo and jk <laughs> what a christ that's fan casting if i ever i heard that's it. that's a hell of a cast there you go title talk <laughs> 
was the title? Now, this is interesting, isn't it? Title. This is something I really want to get into. First up, Good, Bad and Ugly, one of the best titles ever made, right? Like, Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. One of the most perfect titles ever. Absolutely. The better question is, was the good, good? Was the bad, bad? And was the ugly, ugly? Should we go through all three? Yes. I think think the most questionable on that list is actually Clint as the good. I think he is not that good in this movie. But I think... If you take no. it like you said, that they all become like their yeah. their title as the movie goes Which on, is so I think sm- it works. I think this is the one of the few instances where I've had where I've seen a title of a movie also outline a, the character arcs. I can't totally. think I've ever seen that before, which is genius. Yeah, it's it's pretty special, isn't it? It's great. Like, yeah, the bad is definitely the bad from the get go. I would I yep. would contend that the ugly actually isn't that ugly. Like he's not a bad looking bloke. Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's uh it's in relation to his physical appearance. Same with the other two. Like I think it's um. <laughs> They should have called it the good, the bad, and the beautiful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I I think he is the ugly in a sense because I think he is he the most like, but he's not like the most morally questionable. Like he doesn't have like morally ugly decisions. Like I'd say he does. I think he's he's the most likely to double cross, and I think he's he's the person that is um he's got he's got no ties. He's got nothing that kind of you know like we understand this character because I think if we didn't if if Sergio like you said didn't take the time to make people understand him we wouldn't understand why if, and we just saw him as the black and white character that could have been like the stereotype typical character that could have been painted here he would without a doubt be the ugly i think that the reason you don't go oh he's not the ugly is because you the movie humanizes him but his actions are still pretty bad dude the, yeah. the fact that he's like he he's so malicious in what he does like he takes uh, he takes so much enjoyment from like seeing people suffer it's it's yeah you know like when when he's dragging clint through that desert and he's like laughing as he does it you know what i mean or like the way that he he goes to hang him before the the bomb takes out that hotel or whatever and clint gets away like it's it's pretty fucked up and he sends like those three guys in to die before him and then sneaks yeah. around the back. Like he's a pretty conniving, yeah, he is pretty ugly, ugly person. I guess I'm, a, I guess I'm happy with it. Like especially because like the film gives them their titles at the start at the end. Like I think that reaffirms that they are these people. Oh god, when they did it at the end, I oh. loved it. It's funny, funny because like because it's like pans to like Clint and ugly and like they're both like alive and has their names. But then like the, for the bad titles, just him dead in the grave. Like <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh, it's great. But going back to the title itself, in the trilogy, it's the only one that doesn't have the uh, the word dollars in it. And it and it's better for it because <laughs> it's the best title. I agree. And I think it works again because if you take it in like the continuity of like the story, it makes sense that the dollar isn't in the no. title because it's not about that. It's about like the good, the yeah. bad, and the ugly. Although in like, saying they... that, you know, I think you know why. If you look at these three with like a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and then this third one, there is more money involved. This is the one yeah. with the most money. So I'm um, so yeah. I think what really stumped them is that they did a few dollars more. Then they're like, fuck, do we call this the most dollars? <laughs> like, like we've hit the yep. ceiling. Like all the dollars. <laughs> That'd be great. All the dollars. No, I love it. Yeah, great, title, great title, obviously. Let's pass it. Pass it to the people. Pass it here. What? The power to the people. So when we look at the uh, tomato meter, uh, you'll notice that this film has a critical consensus of 97% with an audience score, which is exactly the same. 97% oh, I love as these well. consensus episodes when audiences and critics alike, they're all throwing their roses, Brenton. We're all in the same boat. Look at that bank as well, dude. Mate, that's a that's that's pretty good. 1.2 million to make and uh, 25.1 million in North America, which isn't even taking into account where the film was ri- originally released in Italy, which I can imagine these films were pretty popular so I'm sure that it uh, made plenty of money <laughs> they're like throwing like roses at the screen they're just like throwing meatballs or something yeah maybe that's why they removed the dollar from the title as well because they're all like this that this movie isn't all the dollars it's like they made all the dollars from making this movie <laughs> You can see that's like the American magazines just like for their headlines, like this movie makes all the dollars. <laughs> well, Asher Liberto from LA Weekly uh, gave it a positive spin and said, when Ennio Morricone's score kicks in and Leone's editing picks up, our everyday problems fade away like a cowboy riding off into the sunset. What, oh. a, what a sentence that is. And here's the thing though, I'm curious your opinion on this. Do you think the movie would work as well without that score? So say the score was like just like no. the same other score. I think the score actually does a lot of the work. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like the Halloween situation of like Halloween the film isn't that scary without its score. Yeah. Informing a few different things. Because the score's doing a lot of the work. The score is, inf- really informing, is. A lot of the, informing a lot of the characters and uh, informing a lot of the intention behind things. Like I, I think it I agree. I think it does a lot of the work. Yeah. Jim B, he gave this half a star Brenton. And he wrote a waste of three hours, moved at a snail's pace, pointless movie, just terribly overrated. Every single thing took forever to happen. And most of all, there is no real message to this. No moral, no nothing. Just a damn waste of time. Wow, Jim B. 
Jim be crazy. <laughs> I mean, I agree with him that you could cut this down. I think it could be done. Probably. But, well, this di- here's another fun fact. There's different versions of the film. So when it was released in North America, I think 20 minutes is taken off or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because the one we both watched at the end of Extended Edition, didn't it? Well, that's that's it. The one we watched was uh, how the film was released in Italy, right? Which was like three yeah. hours. And then... The, we do it like the Italians. Yes, we do. Buongiorno. Uh, <laughs> we, but yeah, when it was released in North America, it was much shorter. It'd be interesting to watch that version as well and see compare and contrast. See what they took out. Yeah, there are a lot of deleted scenes here, so I'm, I'm very curious. Well, Johnny Dre, great name, says, Remember my old man asking me, Do you want to be a real man when you're older? To which I replied, Yes. He said, Sit down and don't move for the next three hours of epicness. <laughs> You got 83 likes on YouTube. I love it. I kind of wish I did watch this with my dad. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like that's, a, that's what I was going to bring up. Mm. Like I remember, I don't know if you did this as a kid, but I used to watch like old movies with my great grandparents actually. And oh. uh, it was such a, such a family thing of like just watching some of these old westerns and old movies. And like the other day, my nan had an old western on. And I was like, oh, who's the star in this one? And she's like, you. And she shoves you towards the television. <laughs> Reenact it now. <laughs> she, has, like, she, has, she has like a Wild West revolver and starts shooting at my like, feet. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Nan, no, not again. Love you, Nan. No, but like it's it's uh, spaghetti westerns feel like family time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't know what it is about it. It's it, there's something about those old movies that just gets you. I think movie musicals are kind of the same. Like the that that 50s style movie musical was like people come together for some reason and watch these movies. Yeah. So it's nice. It's, it's good time. Nice. This is what this is what we watch as our new Christmas movie. Fuck, it's a wonderful life. We we'll watch Good, Bad, and Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a Christmas movie. Oh. Uh, um, say uh, Tejo wrote on YouTube. Tarantino said it right. The greatest achievement in the history of cinema. It's up there, isn't it? Probably is. I mean, it defined a genre. I'm just trying to think of like movies that really have uh, defined. Yeah, like you know, it does. It does. It's up there. Yeah, it's definitely the peak of its genre. You know, like you think of like movies like Citizen Kane. You think about movies like uh, The Wizard of Oz, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I think this is up there. I think this is like something that had a profound definitely. effect on the industry. It's funny. I don't feel the way I felt after like Sunset Boulevard or Apartment or like Network. It's like a different feeling. Mm-hmm. Like that's that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like yeah. it's still a masterpiece and still of that caliber, but it does something very differently and, and I'm not moved because of how intelligent or profound it is I'm just moved by how well made it is you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I totally agree yeah J.A. finally says when you aren't good or bad you're just ugly with like a <laughs> they've added like a like a sad face emoji Aww. of just like distress which one are you Brenton are you the good the bad or the ugly we all know which one I am wait, wait a minute if you're good and I'm bad who's ugly actually no we know the real answer, don't we, Brenton? We do. You're the bad, I'm the ugly, and our listeners are the good. Oh, oh what a good segue. Because that was good, bad, and ugly, wasn't it? That was the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Nathan's right. You guys are definitely the good on this show. Always. Thank you so much for tuning in and having a listen to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. All I have to say really is keep the conversation going. Let us know what movies you'd like us to review next because we love to hear your suggestions. Yeah. And uh, tell us what you tell us what you thought of the movie. Get on the Instagram, comment on some things, um, send us an email email or just go to the YouTube comments. We're always on there as well. Yeah, let us know. Um, yeah, so we can pick- we, you know, we're, we're chewing through our list. So as each week passes, we love the new suggestions and it just grows a list longer and longer. So we do it. We put everything on. So it's, it's coming up. Let me tell you, it's goddamn chewy. You know, I'm just trying to gnaw through it at the moment. I can't get through this bloody list. <laughs> Brenton, you know stop eating my laptop. We need this for the podcast. Oh, sorry. 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 Um, Let me just remove the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. All good. Sorry about you that, You have guys. so ruined the tension in our Mexican standoff, Brenton, by gnawing on my laptop. Well, shall we just start again then? Nah, fuck this. <laughs> oh, 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 you shot me in my right arm. Now that was ugly. <laughs>